So we're not saving the world, we're building a new one. There is real transformation that changes everything. Finding your community is really just following your heart. That's their folk scientific picture of how the world works. Let me uplift you, uplift me, uplift each other. You can become extraordinary. Shifts are upon us at the global level. Each and every one of us are just one little piece of this puzzle. For me is that the human dimension is important, our environment is important, and so is economics. I was anxious that the progress wasn't fast enough, that sustainability wasn't deep enough. Stop worrying, start living. The right hemisphere is right here, right now, and it's being. You must love. We are verging on critical mass, and we just need to show up. We need the land under our feet, right? We need to love it, we need to care for it, we need to belong with it and to it. Get ready, corporate mind. You don't know what's coming, because from the ground up, we're building from that family mind. It's village time. We are one with the spirit. We are one with the earth. We are one with the spirit. We are one with the earth. And we're weaving community of heaven on earth. And they'll know we are Gaians by our hearts. Loving free. Yes, they'll know that we are Gaians loving free. We will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand, serving life, serving beauty, tall and proud we will stand. And we know in our bones that we belong to our land. And they'll know we are Gaians by our songs, calling peace. Yes, they'll know that we are Gaians calling peace. We will gather our bodies, we will deepen our souls. We will turn toward the spirit by which all things grow. We will sing one another back from broken to whole. And they'll know we are Gaians by our roots going deep. Yes, they'll know that we are Gaians going deep. We will build up the soil, we will plant it with trees. We will care for the waters and the fish in the seas. And the fruits of our labor will be plenty and peace. And they'll know we are Gaians by our hands planting seeds. Yes, they'll know that we are Gaians planting seeds. We are one with the spirit, we are one with the earth. We are one with the spirit, we are one with the earth. And we're weaving community of heaven on earth. And they'll know we are Gaians by our hearts loving free. Yes, they'll know that we are Gaians loving free. Oh, they'll know that we are Gaians living free. Yes, they'll know that we are Gaians living free.
Hi there, you're listening to The Village Mixtape. This is your host, Aliko. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 2 of The Village Mixtape, The Geometry of Consciousness and Design. What you just heard there was Melissa Rasmussen of the Village Building Team in Olympia singing her song that she sang at the Village 2.0. If you missed the Village 2.0, this is a great episode to catch. We will be replaying a talk by the keynote speaker, Morgan Beershanks, who spoke about his uh, amazing, amazing architecture and plans and implementation of a new building material called Bioceramics. If you don't know what the Village series is, I would highly recommend uh, checking out our website, wellngreen.com, W-E-L-L, letter N, G-R-E-E-N.com, and clicking on the tab, The Village. Hazel and I, Well and Green, put on a a series of events called The Village Events. They happen every couple months, and if you're in the Seattle area, I would highly recommend coming out. Um, always incredible atmosphere, incredible people, incredible information. Um, always have music, uh, live band play at the end. Um, really informational and really just uplifts a lot of people's spirits, as we've heard through the grapevine. Um, the third one, we just had our second one, so the third one will be in tentative date. I'm planning on October 13th. So look out for that on our website. You can sign up for our e-newsletter, The Village Inc., where we will also be posting about uh, our podcast, The Village Mixtape. So highly recommend checking that out. On today's episode, we have, like I said before, Morgan Beershanks speaking about the geometry of consciousness and design. Uh, He is an amazing, amazing person who grew up in the Pacific Northwest and sort of did the corporate thing for a while and then needed an adventure and he tells a little bit more about his story and what he's doing to change the world, change the way people live, change the way indigenous people are living um, and give rights back to us as a people, us as a planet, and the environment itself. He is the CEO of his company, Geoship. If you want to learn more about Geoships, visit www.geoship.is. Here's Morgan Beershanks to speak to you a little bit more about bioceramic geodomes, um, how consciousness is altered by the shapes that surround us and the future of community. You're listening to The Village Mixtape. This, I'm so excited for this next presentation. I have been eagerly awaiting to hear uh, Morgan speak. 
Uh, I am obsessed with his designs. I chose this photo actually um, because for, for this event because I was inspired by Morgan's um, architecture. And Morgan is gonna speak to you about um, his story, I'm sure, and uh, what he has come to do with it. And I think this is next level. I want what I, I, I will buy what he has from him one day soon. And um, I feel like the future of what you have is gonna develop and turn into something like this. So without any further ado, I will give the floor to Morgan. And um, I hope you're as inspired by his vision as I am. in terms of uh, creating environments that are really healing spaces um, and also multi-stakeholder cooperative and uh, more advanced uh, organizational systems essentially um, but basically I'm, okay I'll have you guys start so go ahead and take the lids off those things pour the water in there and just stir for like three minutes and this is uh, what they're stirring up is essentially phosphates magnesium potassium and some clay, and some quartz sand, essentially. And this is, um, yeah, it's just, it's all stuff that you could, these are like s almost supplements, okay. you know, so it's not dangerous in any way. It is going to heat up to about 130 degrees, though, after about uh, 15 minutes. So just <laughs> FYI on that, as like essentially, so these are uh, cold-fired ceramics, basically water-activated ceramics, or crystalline, uh, like a ceramic, but they kind of function like a, a cement, but they, it's a complete, so let me get into, yeah, just pour the whole thing of water in and stir and stir for about three minutes and then just kind of, and try to be vigorous with your stirring. <laughs> okay, so so essentially um, we, we are, forming a, a, a home building cooperative, home and community build building cooperative called GeoShip. And it's based on using a new material science called bioceramics combined with uh, more advanced geometries, which is essentially biogeometry. It'll get deep into these concepts. And what's really interesting about, some interesting things about these ceramics is that, um, you know, pretty much our whole built environment today is like wood, metal, concrete the main building materials, and a little bit of earth. Um, but only in, so let me, let me back up for just a second. I'll give you a little bit of my personal story just because I know everybody will be wondering, I guess. Uh, I worked at Intel Corporation right out of uh, university for about three years 
from like 2000 to 2003, and then I started to uh, to kind of wake up and quit my job and just bought a one-way ticket to Asia and spent about three years kind of vagabonding around Asia and India, and then came back and uh, started living in a Volkswagen bus, and then picked up a hitchhiker one day and ended up at the Cobb Cottage Company there actually with Yanto Evans down in uh, uh, Southern Oregon, and. Uh, because I came back from traveling and I was like, I want to just build a little house in nature and like cultivate my gifts as an artist and not have to like, you know, work just to make money. Um, so that essentially led to, uh, I didn't do the Cobb thing because I didn't have land and I couldn't afford land. So I lived in a Volkswagen and then uh, I found a derelict wooden sailboat and my brother and I spent about a year restoring the sailboat in a barn and I lived on that for about five years, kind of cruising up and down the, the west coast. And then, um, and that time was really focused on all the inner work. You know, it was like long meditation retreats and work with the plant medicines and, and these kind of things. And then there kind of came a time where um, I felt like the activist was, you know, trying to, but you can't really be much of an activist on a sailboat when you're in the middle of the ocean. So, um, it was about that time that uh, the information war officially began and the battlefield was WikiLeaks. So I bought another one-way ticket to Iceland and uh, volunteered for WikiLeaks. We started working with the uh, Icelandic Pirate Party. Um, Iceland has, you know, the oldest uh, living democracy on earth and essentially their banking collapse happened. They brought a new political party in and used liquid democracy platforms to crowdsource a revision to their 1,100-year-old parliament to make Iceland the world's safe haven for information and journalists and whistleblowers, essentially. So it was also in Iceland, I was working on like new forms of currency, basically meta-currencies to kind of redirect human attention onto the things that we want to grow instead of the things that we're trying to conserve. Um, yeah, so, so essentially, and that was about four years ago. So, you know, I was trying to figure out ways to bring these new um, currencies and democracy systems into the world and started building a house with my brother using all reclaimed materials and we started, you know, uh, just shaking our head about how ridiculous that we're still building with wood and sticks and nails for, you know, 100 years or whatever it's been, hundreds of years. Um, so we uh, started, um, basically thinking of new ways to build, looking at new materials and new production systems and came up and we essentially started uh, GeoShip. And now it's been about four years now. I sold my wood sailboat and started bootstrapping the, the company and now we're pretty, pretty well um, coming into the world soon. <laughs> so, uh, so essentially, um, the story on the material side kind of begins with Rustam Roy. How many have heard of Rustam Roy before? Nobody. Nobody, yeah. Yeah, so he's like pretty much uh, the, one of the most legendary material scientists that ever lived. He was like head of the material science lab at Penn State, which is the biggest material science lab in the world. And for the last 20 years of his life, he was um, studying the science of whole person healing. So he was looking from a scientific perspective of like things like uh, like John of God down in Peru. So this guy is seeing like you know dozens of people every day for 20 years, and he'll cut them open with a rusty pen knife and pull a tumor out, and there's no blood, and they're healed. So he's like, 
you would send a team of scientists down to watch this kind of thing happen and try to figure it out, essentially. And he was also looking very closely at like uh, water and what, how water is changing when we use a certain type of attention on the water. And then also that evolves into what kind of technologies were also able to create that focused attention that could actually molecularly restructure the water. So while, while he was you know, defining the science of whole person healing, he essentially also defined a new family of materials, whole new material science, which is what you guys are stirring now. And uh, it's been three minutes, I think. Yeah, if it's, when, you're, when you feel like it's been three minutes, you can just kind of set it down, maybe tap it a few times so the air bubbles come up, and then just uh, we'll check it again in 15 minutes or so. So he defined a new material science, and this stuff is uh, really unique because essentially, you know, it bonds to metal. So it'll, it uh, will create, it, it's kind of like, like usually you have epoxies, ceramics, and cements. And this is kind of in the middle of all those. So it's a glue, but it's crystalline like a ceramic, but it doesn't require high heat like a ceramic. It kind of functions like a cement. So essentially, um, you know, in the future, like the, all the wood will be covered with it probably to preserve it. The metal will definitely be covered with the ceramic materials because they create permanent corrosion protection. It's already like uh, totally revolutionizing the steel coatings industry. And so this is, um, he defined this material science in like 1998, something like that. Went through about a 10 year R&D project at Argonne National Labs and was kind of announced to the world around 2005. Um, so one of the interesting properties of this material is like, okay, what is a living material? This is like a really fundamental question for the future of built environment because generally the materials that we use today are not, uh, we don't, we've taken the human out of the equation basically in science in general. So whether a material uh, invites your aura to touch or whether it feels poisonous to your aura is not even talked about in, in architecture and design and stuff today. But in the future, it will, is a key, so one of the key properties is basically what they call the dielectric constant, which is essentially the ability of a material to generate an internal electric field. So um, these bioceramics, you know, just last year, Under Armour uh, came out with a new brand of clothing that, uh, that Tom Brady has been wearing for 10 years and is essentially taking these same powders and weaving them into the threads of the clothes because they emit far infrared light that helps the body uh, heal. So uh, there's a whole science called photobiomodulation, which is basically how light modulates with biology. And these ceramic materials are kind of really integral to a lot of those future technologies of just understanding how light modulates and resonates with biology. Um, another interesting thing about the materials is essentially the, you know, the villages of the future will kind of function like rainforests in that, um, I mean, in a lot of ways, just, you know, regenerative design ways, but then also the materials can sequester a lot of CO2. They can also uh, scrub NOx pollution from the air through like a photocatalytic effect. So actually clean the air. Uh, and also these same kind of materials are, can be sprayed onto big surfaces to give uh, monolithic ceramic solar panels in multiple layers. 
and even further than that, um, crystal energy cells. So essentially, ceramic materials that uh, generate electrical energy through coherent quantum fluctuations, which is basically, it's, it's kind of functioning like a solar panel, except it's using infrared light that's present all the time, even when it's dark. So um, the, the material science is essentially, like I said, it was phosphates, magnesium, and potassium are kind of the key ingredients. And there's a lot of different uh, oxides, oxides and phosphates that can be used to create these kind of uh, bioceramics. But essentially, the main sources are uh, seawater and wastewater. So sewage treatment plants, byproduct is uh, magnesium, or the struvite that builds up in the pipes is essentially a phosphate. So extracting phosphates from wastewater treatment plants, and the main byproduct of saltwater desalination is magnesium and potassium. So these are really like, um, and, and the whole mass, you know, mass agricultural Monsanto industry is like, um, you know, uh, dying in a lot of ways, or at least like slowing down as like organic farming and local horticulture comes up. And these, um, uh, to give you an idea of like the scale is kind of amazing. The, um, in the US they mine about 30 million tons of phosphate rock every year. If we had 1% of one year's supply, we could build bioceramic geodesic homes for every American family and hydroponic systems so they wouldn't have to eat mass ag food. So just to give you, you know, scale-wise, so basically my point is it's a really like cradle-to-cradle -cradle kind of um, material for the future. And essentially in its last, you know, like, a, like the pyramids and ancient concretes, they can, there's no... Um, Portland concrete is hydraulically bonded, and these are covalent and ionic bonds. So it's essentially, it's like crystals that are forming, which is completely different than normal concrete. And they last a lot longer and uh, can be entrained with uh, fibers and different things to give you some kind of super properties. So let's see. The other key aspect, so new materials is key, especially living materials that kind of uh, are high dielectric or paramagnetic. And this is just like the Japanese Zen gardens and whatnot, they use, you know, diamagnetic or paramagnetic rocks to direct energy. And that's really architecture of the future is not building materials, it's sculpting energy in big spaces. So how do you get the right geometries and the right materials to facilitate centripetal charge flows, essentially, and centripetal is like, like this. So we, we want energy to fold into itself, which is kind of the opposite of radiation, energy that's spewing, radiating outwards. So these, these materials, um, one of the things that they're being used for is radiation shielding in the nuclear industry. So they find that just two inches of these materials will shield all levels of uh, gamma, neutron radiation, the whole spectrum, whereas it would take like six feet of really dense Portland concrete to do that. Because in, in shielding is kind of a misnomer too. It's not bouncing the radiation back. It's actually repatterning it as it moves through. So it's not radiation anymore. It's a hug in a sense or centripetal. Um, so the two kind of, uh, so on the material side, you know, the kind of the father of the technology was Rustam Roy. And now on the geometry side, uh, both Buckminster Fuller and Ibrahim Karim. Most people I'm sure have heard of Buckminster Fuller. 
maybe not, but Ibrahim Karim is, um, so, so the geodesic, you know, a lot of people say Buckminster Fuller invented the geodesic dome, but that's, you know, it's not true. This is just like a geometry, you know? This was actually like a, defined by Plato 2,500 years ago, and he called it the, um, the cosmic receptacle or a container for becoming. It's essentially Gaia, because all five of the platonic solids nest into this uh, geodesic sphere, which is essentially the Earth grid. You know, Buckminster Fuller's world map, or like where the, the rivers of magnetism cross around the Earth is essentially a, a geodesic grid. So when we talk about like um, changing uh, consciousness or like evolving consciousness, one of the core parts of this is like the, Rome, the current system is, it's all boxes built on a Roman grid. And this Roman grid system was like, you know, was created by the Roman Empire when they would uh, take over a, a territory, they would lay this grid down so that the soldiers could stand at the intersections and uh, control the population basically. And we know that the, the right angle is um, the angle of maximum destructive interference, essentially, which you can see anywhere. You, like, put your a shield right angle up to water, to wind, whatever, it scatters it. Every other angle gets it less scattered. So it's maximum destructive interference. And some of the things that they do with, um, so Ibrahim Karim is an Egyptian architect he was, he's like the head of the architectural and design department at the University of Cairo. And 40 years ago, he defined a new um, design language called biogeometry, where he essentially uh, decoded a lot of the Egyptian hieroglyphs and then also just um, wanted, created a more of a qualitative physics. So. You know, our whole modern physics, classical physics, is like trying to take the observer out of the equation, you know? Like, and he's doing the exact opposite. He's putting like the person in the center and then being able to qualitatively test the feedback that happens in the human body based on exposure to certain geometries. So they'll do things like um, kids with uh, autism, autism spectrum disorder, he would like, you know, put them sit in a chair and put an EEG on and make a right angle. Tension. You know, even a circle is also tension. But certain angles and certain energy flows don't create tension. They resonate biologically. And this is like, you know, energy is, everything is energy. So even when we make a, uh, a drawing on a piece of paper or in the air, we're changing the flow of ether, chi, prana, that whole uh, longitudinal electromagnetic waves, basically like sound waves that they um, are kind of core to, uh, to new unified physics principles, essentially, which is a, a core um, really foundational to architecture of the future. So some of the things that they've, um, they realize with, with biogeometry is that when they have these uh, symbols in certain, not symbols, more like signatures in, uh, in people's space that they, uh, the body will resonate with the one that it needs to resonate with. So there's a wisdom in the body and in the same way that um, Constantine Mile is a, a Swiss scientist who was uh, really leading like scalar waves. 
So he'd make these little Tesla towers with like, you know, just about this high with a little ball on top and a tripod. And it, he was selling them to um, naturopathic healers because they would put medicine underneath this Tesla ball. And just by somebody walking into the room with a bunch of these medicines and in the room, their body will just take the one that it needs, you know, energetically without ever having to actually take the pill, right? And in the same way, when, these sim when the right signatures and stuff are around us, our body knows which one it needs to resonate with, and there's a, a body wisdom that basically takes over. <laughs> um, some of the, so like I said, he, Ibrahim Karim defined this material or uh, biogeometry about 40 years ago, and they're doing a lot of different uh, studies and uh, scientific you know, testing and stuff now. One of them is uh, what they call the miracle of Hemberg, so as in uh, the Swiss people are really eco-conscious. And um, they're, you know, about 10 years ago, this little town in Switzerland was like, they put a new cell phone antenna that was like on top of the church and people started uh, having electrosensitivity symptoms and the birds left and a lot of things happened and the people were pissed. So they were like, we're gonna dynamite the towers. And uh, before they, so the government essentially called in Ibrahim Karim to try to do something while, you know, not removing the source, but removing the symptoms. So essentially what he did was he created these biosignature um, shapes, emblems, statues, and when those are pointed at the source of the electromagnetic radiation, it will actually harmonize the radi radiation wave and essentially like carrying a prayer. So. So the, within two weeks, you know, something like 70% of people's symptoms went away and the birds came back and things really, really changed and they actually wanted to bring them in to do the whole country, which is, this is really, um, so I don't know how, how aware you guys are of, you know, electromagnetic radiation and just this whole environment that we, we all live in now. Uh, but these, this is like, it, it actually, it will change. It is cha starting to change, but also has to change like dramatically because we, will all be infertile, you know, within a few generations. And they say something like, um, you know, you look at the rate of increase in autism, and it keeps at this pace, four out of five boys born in the year 2030 will be autistic. So it has to change, you know, and that it changing really comes with like a new understanding of, of energy and physics. Um, so domes and pyramids, essentially uh, amplify the energy in a, a space. You know, and this is really like, especially the right combination of materials and geometry. So materials that, you know, are high dielectric, they build an internal electric field and geometry that focuses that, that energy to essentially, um, it's just like the engineering of uh, power spots. You know, uh, all throughout human history, it's like, the humans have always um, naturally, you know, found the song lines and the, the uh, places where the rivers of magnetism, ley lines would cross and they'd build temples. And, and this is where like, they would have their, um, you know, phone calls to the ancestors, basically, that all the oracular oracle traditions would come out of these sacred power spots, basically, because this is just where they had a, you know, a thinner veil, essentially, to be able to 
communicate more efficiently with, uh, with the ancestors or all, and also the cells in their body are communicating more efficiently. Um, so when we have the right material and the right geometry, essentially we're creating biological capacitors that just build charge, centripetal charge within a, a space. And, um, you know, what is the effect of living in a biological capacitor is like, we, we just, we don't know. We, we know that you can be at a sacred power spot for an unlimited, you know, there's no down, no negative effects from it, basically. So, you know, I, I think uh, in the future, our cities and homes, we're really, uh, architects will just understand what, how materials and geometry need to um, work in order for uh, architecture to really have purpose again, besides just shelter in a sense. Okay, um, so the other key thing, uh, well, <laughs> the other key thing, so another interesting thing is uh, how do we engineer environments that uh, optimize the light, water, and electromagnetic environment? So, so it's things like just, you know, how did we evolve as humans on Earth? You know, it was like we we're always connected to the Earth. We had our feet on the ground or maybe some leather moccasins or whatever, but this electrical uh, information exchange with the Earth, and there's, I'm sure you guys, hopefully you guys look into grounding and earthing so there's just, there's beautiful science coming out to just show that uh, when you put somebody on the earth for 20 minutes, you can measurably see that the um, blood is circulating better and the inflammation is decreasing and all these, you know, beneficial things are happening just by re reconnecting to the earth. And it makes sense. This is how we evolved for ever and ever and ever until wood floors and rubber soles and, you know, basically the last couple hundred years. Um, the other key aspect is the water. So our, our water systems are uh, very not only polluted, but also, um, you know, going through right-angled pipes and the wrong materials and the wrong geometry, basically. So uh, these technologies like the, the phase conjugate microwaves, and what that means is basically imagine uh, two pine cones kissing noses. So golden mean spirals coming together. That's what uh, this water was put through a process where the microwave frequencies are in opposing directions and they're golden mean spirals that kiss noses and um, change the molecular structure of the water. And uh, beautiful science coming out now too to show how uh, liver disease, kidney disease, a lot of chronic diseases can be reversed really quickly within the course of a few weeks or month of drinking the right uh, structured water. Um, and it kind of comes down to, uh, and also the, the light. So, you know, one of the biggest forms of pollution in our environment is actually just all these lights. Uh, because we, again, we evolved on Earth, like uh, our circadian rhythms were tuned into the night-day cycle of the Earth. And now we're like all these blue screens and computer screens and fluorescent lights and stuff. You know, we're beings of, of light, water, and magnetism, basically. And these have deep, effects on uh, long-term chronic effects on uh, disease, basically, to just get the light cycle right. And the, there's a small steps we can take with the, in our houses with uh, wearing the, the right kind of um, glasses at night that just block out the blue spectrum so that you're, you can start to realign your uh, circadian rhythm with the earth. 
and also you know more advanced lights. And now, as as science is becoming aware that these things actually matter, then the technology is being uh, developed pretty quickly to to make more uh, biologically resonant lights, basically. And it kind of comes down to um, big auras, you know. So it, it's about like building big auras, which then become big community auras, which is essentially politics. Because politics is about building a body polis. You know, it's about getting hearts and minds and coherence in a sense. So the biggest political statement we can make is to build a big aura and then build a community who is all big auras and then connect all those communities so we kind of render politicians obsolete. And the liquid democracy platforms can help too. Liquid democracy platforms are essentially like, like you put some, and this is what Iceland used to re crowdsource a revision to their constitution was, um, you know, t today you have like representative democracies and direct democracies, one of the two. Like either everybody votes or you elect a politician. And a liquid democracy just um, allows, uh, I can designate somebody as my representative in whatever issue and then they can delegate that vote again and again and again, and you can always override if you want, but then it's just a, it's like politics without politicians or like everybody's a politician. They change it all the, at all times and there's no set schedule. So part of what GeoShip is doing is bringing these new forms of democracy and currency into a cooperative that is really fueled by, you know, new technology that will change our built environment. And some of the, the first kind of, um, I'm going to jump past that slide for a second. You know, we were installing the first uh, bioceramic geodesic uh, structures, like in the, probably in the next like four to six months, the first ones will get installed. And these, um, the bioceramic materials are like the insulation, the interior, the exterior is all ceramic, just entrained with air and entrained with fibers and and do different things to make a, an all ceramic uh, building panel, essentially. So I, I just wanted to clarify that we're building bioceramic geodesics. I'm gonna step back for a second to uh, talk more about kind of, uh, I love this Pearl Jam song, this is society, agreed to which we have agreed. But, uh, but essentially, um, you know, organizations have kind of gone through uh, evolution of consciousness just like people are going through where you started with like kind of the red organizations or like governments and churches very hierarchical evolved into like orange organizations that were more like a, a input output like a machine like basically all the corporations today are kind of a orange organizations that just operate based on input and output and that evolved into the green organizations that were like in bringing more like family values and stuff into the into the company and now the next evolution of organizations is what they call a teal organizational structure so the three key principles are evolutionary purpose wholeness and self-management so how do we create organizations where everybody is working towards an evolutionary purpose everybody is a uh, whole so there's not a you don't have to be a different person when you come to work versus who you are when you're home, uh, and then creating organizational structures are more like a bunch of interlinking circles, kind of like the flower of life, basically. So instead of that more hierarchical organizational structures. And also the, 
just the concept of ownership in general. Um, we're like indigenous, indigenous people didn't have any really concept of like personal ownership. It's actually fairly new in the last thousand years or something. Uh, but this, this idea that, um, especially when it comes to land, you know, like personal ownership of land is a uh, kind of a, a dominant culture perspective. Um, and part of what we're doing with GeoShip is essentially to a multi-stakeholder, so it's known as like either a social cooperative or a multi-stakeholder cooperative, but the goal is to bring all of the communities, ecosystems, people that the organization touches into a co-ownership and co-governance structure. So um, it gives you really an opportunity to bring some of these liquid democracy platforms and, and meta currencies. And this fits really well too with equity-based uh, community funding and uh, initial coin offerings and kind of everything that's happening in the financial world is really uh, will support these new sorts of uh, organizational structures. Um, yeah, and it, you know, I mean, I won't go into, uh, yeah. It's essentially, you know, it's kind of a move towards like um, voluntary, making government voluntary in a sense. Like w why just because I live in this nation do I have to go with that government? You know, why aren't there, why isn't there some choice? So, you know, maybe in the future, new forms of uh, organizations kind of start to function like, not like government in a enforcing way, but like for instance, community land trust models are a good example. Um, one of our uh, ad advisors wrote a book called Land, A New Paradigm for a Thriving World, whereas essentially he lays out this whole economic hack that is essentially saying that like, instead of taxing production and consumption and employment, we can um, make it so that land can't be owned anymore, but you have actually more right to the land than you do when you own it, except instead of uh, paying taxes, you pay a land use contribution fees that would be equal to like about 80% of the rent. So there is no rent, you know, it's called a land use contribution in a sense, but that it, the funding goes to the local government, kind of Gandhi's, what Gandhi called Swaraj, where it's like, the energy goes to the local first and then maybe trickles up. And uh, community land trust models are a way to start to bring that, um, that paradigm shift basically into a collective experience. So this is, you know, our, our overall um, goal with GeoShip is essentially to make it so that one person can uh, make a declaration, gather their community, and build a village. So we want to be able to, to provide all the tools for people to, to do that. And today, one of the core problems with like why we're all not living in you know, Oroville or type places that we've imagined ourselves is because of uh, just the way neighborhoods are built today. You know, it's like a developer buys land and they hire contractors to build homes that, that they then sell. So they can't take any, you know, it's like the customer comes in at the end and they get what the minimum risk basically, which is why every single neighborhood in the United States of America is boxes on a Roman grid. Every single one. We're actually uh, in Freeland, we're based on in Whidbey Island in the town of Freeland, which is coincidental, but kind of a nice place. Uh, one of the, the first uh, 
geodesic village in the US will be in the town of Freeland where, uh, where we're kind of operating from. And it's kind of, it's kind of a mind boggling how every single neighborhood is boxes on a Roman grid. Like there's like, maybe there's a couple of little cob communities or something out there, but it's like very, very rare. So how do we uh, basically just enable people to gather, gather together as a community first and then go through the design build process as a collective? And bring, um, so like ceramic precasting is really interesting technology because essentially you're, you're, we're bringing like ceremony and dance into a precast plant because crystals are forming in these uh, panels, right? So how do we imprint the panels with loving mindfulness? And it actually, it can affect the ceramics differently depending on what kind of, and, and the indigenous people understood this really well. Uh, you know, we're working with the Coast Salish indigenous uh, elders, and one of the things that they just understood was like, um, you know, when they rebuild their, uh, they re just rebuilt a lot of their longhouses for ceremony and dance, and had to kind of remember how to do it in their traditional ways, which essentially means like, you know, going up to the mountain and harvesting the, the cedar, which is their, totally their sacred uh, thing, <laughs> harvesting it with prayer, and um, you know, you can't like uh, go out and party the night before and then come bang nails into the ancestors, you know? So it's really like bringing mindfulness and whatnot because they understand that materials are alive and, and certain materials especially have this quality of wanting to, you know, invite your aura to touch essentially. So um, some of the first things, you know, we were, some of the first precast plants we envision arising on the indigenous reservations because what the, um, what their, you know, one of their kind of uh, um, primary goals, I don't know if that's the right word to use, but basically, you know, what they envision for the future is uh, new educational models. So not this teacher-student paradigm, like everybody's sitting in class and one person talking. It's like sit in circle, peers sharing in, you know, inspired information. So new educational models, uh, food sovereignty, so new you know, systems for growing food locally so they don't have to depend on anyone else. And then also building uh, just healing homes. So food sovereignty, healing homes, uh, energy sovereignty as well, and then new educational models. So we're actually, in working with the Coast Salish indigenous community, we're able to start to organize, you know, create a cooperative that is kind of, has a lot of these indigenous worldways woven into the fabric of the, of the organization. Um, yeah, so like, uh, you know, this kind of architecture, bioceramic, biogeometric, geodesic architecture, we can build homes like this for about half the cost of a conventional wood house, of an average wood house. Uh, homes that would be carbon negative, so actually, and that, by that, I don't mean like solar panels. I mean, they're going, the material will sequester more CO2 than it was released in its production. Um, have a very long life, so what another beautiful thing is like to build villages where you know that like, you know, 10 generations are going to live in this space, right? So really long 
homes with long lives that are uh, restore ecosystems. So another, you know, we're uh, starting to talk with um, Dr. Hugh Len, who started uh, ecosystem restoration cooperatives. So they're doing like um, mass ecosystem restorations where they'll bring like a, you know, group of people in to work for a few years and totally transform uh, ecosystems that have been um, fucked up somehow. Um, uh, non so, you know, the building materials that we use today, it, like the wood is, uh, the, all the plywood and stuff has a formaldehyde binder, you know, all the OSB and plywood that we use, and formaldehyde is really toxic. In the U.S. is actually like the worst country pretty much in the whole world for uh, regulations on uh, toxicity in building materials. The uh, Toxic Substances Control Act was just revised by the EPA for the first time in 40 years uh, in 2017. And, um, you know, a lot of these uh, certification, like the living building certification and whatnot, like they have to make um, uh, exceptions in them because there just aren't materials even available today that don't have toxic um, chemicals in them or potentially toxic chemicals, which over long periods of time, especially for sensitive people, I mean, we have, we have no idea how, how this combination of like disconnection from the earth, the wrong light, the polluted water, the, the chemicals in the building materials, on top of the EMF, you know, cell phones and all that. I mean, this is like a really uh, disastrous kind of emergency situation that people are starting to, to wake up to, basically. And, and the solutions are beautiful. You know, the solutions are just like right here, ready to go, but it's just for people to even realize that there's a problem. Like, you have to realize there's a problem before the solutions will have the, the energy that they need to actually become, you know, ubiquitous in a sense. Um, you know, the ceramic materials are also fireproof and moldproof, so there's no, no organic uh, materials for mold to grow on. Uh, and also, um, uh, naturally reflects about 80% of infrared light. So uh, it's kind of acts as like a cool roof in the same, for the same reason that it has these uh, radiation, you know, repatterning or shielding properties. It's essentially in the same reason why it emits far infrared light. When it uh, is out in the sun for a little while, it's sucking in the uh, infrared light and the, or sucking in the light and then slowly emitting it as far in the far infrared spectrum. So it's, it kind of acts as a cool roof. So both the heat from the inside gets reflected back in and the heat from the outside gets reflected back out. Uh, and just these geometries are just so, n just really naturally resilient, you know, like, uh, well, fireproof and waterproof and moldproof at one level, but then also earthquake, highly resistant to earthquakes and hurricanes because you don't have moment connections. You know, again, that right angle where a calm and beam meets. That's where the, you know, wants to break in an earthquake. And essentially the, these um, ceramic precast architecture kind of enables you to build um, architecture that is like a semi-monocoque, what they call monocoque. So monocoque means frameless. So architecture that uh, gets its strength from um, uh, structural skins and a compression core, kind of like an I-beam, essentially. You have this dance of compression and tension and so you don't need to have frames or roofs. So it really kind of opens up a new, totally new kind of uh, paradigm in architecture.
Well, there you have it, guys. You just heard an incredible, incredible speech by Morgan Beershanks. Again, if you want to know more about his work, keep up to date, visit www.geoship.is. You're listening to The Village Mixtape by Well and Green. Find us on SoundCloud at The Village Mixtape or on Google Play at The Village Mixtape or on wellandgreen.com, www.welllettern.green.com. Yeah.